This is Steve Thompson. And to recap where we've been, the wall of Jerusalem is going up. Everyone is pitching in and doing their part. Progress is being made. And you could feel the momentum and the enthusiasm all around. And for any large group of people, anytime there's change, you can count on opposition. Before I launch into our reading, I want to start off with prayer. So, Lord, would you speak to us through your word today? Would you cut through all the distraction, the to-do lists, the excuses, and even the blind spots that we have to speak directly to our open hearts? We give you this time so that you can have our hearts, our minds, and our spirits again. So here we are, living offerings, wanting to be used for your plans and for your purposes. Nehemiah chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. Samballot was very angry when he learned that we were rebuilding the wall. He flew into a rage and mocked the Jews, saying in front of his friends and the Sumerian army officers, What does this bunch of poor, feeble Jews think they're doing? Do they think they can build the wall in a single day by just offering a few sacrifices? Do they actually think they can make something of stones from a rubbish heap and charred ones at that? Tobiah the Ammonite, who was standing beside him, remarked, That stone wall would collapse if even a fox walked along the top of it. Then I prayed, Hear us, O our God, for we are being mocked. May their scoffing fall back on their own heads, and may they themselves become captives in a foreign land. Do not ignore their guilt. Do not blot out their sins, for they have provoked you to anger here in front of the builders. At last, the wall was completed to half its height around the entire city, for the people had worked with enthusiasm. So, for a little cultural context, remember that Sanballat and Tobiah, I'm doing the English version here, uh, not the Hebrew version, uh, were both regional governors in their surrounding area. They were not Jewish at all, so they had a lot of stake in maintaining the status quo. They were comfortable with the distribution of power as it was, and Nehemiah coming in was shifting the balance of power back toward this once proud and powerful city, Jerusalem. Nehemiah was organizing and empowering the people who had up until now basically just been living in a quiet, marginalized, subservient life. But with the wall going up quickly, this was going to wreck things. And so it is whenever there's change. We all long for change when it comes to bettering our own future. When we see hope and a brighter horizon for us, we're quick to join the movement, if not lead it ourselves. But if the change upsets our status quo, if the change means a better future for someone else at the expense of my own power or progress, then we usually take issue with that change. After all, we've got to fight and protect our own, right? Well, while it's easy to see who the antagonists of the story are. And we quickly relate to our hero, Nehemiah. I want to step back and check ourselves because I think we're just as prone to fall on the antagonistic side of any given scenario. 
how often do you find yourself being critical of a new idea, for example? Or when's the last time that you made fun of the way someone else is doing something? Whether it was parenting or taking care of their yard, how they mowed it, or, or how they did their job. When's the last time you caught yourself rolling your eyes and questioning if they, I'm doing air quotes here, really knew what they were doing? Often, what's at the core of a critical heart in us is a fear of change. It's a fear of losing something, a fear of being dragged out of our comfort zone. So, just as a quick motive check, the next time you catch yourself criticizing someone else or their idea, Stop and ask yourself what it might be that's threatening to you. You never want to end up on the wrong side of something new that God is doing. Now, on the other hand, maybe you've been inspired by Nehemiah and the challenge that we're going to continue to receive of stepping out and going first and being a change agent in daring to operate on kingdom principles and motives instead of our culture's values. In that case, you can just count on criticism. It's part of how we operate as humans. But this is where Nehemiah again sets the pace. He doesn't get sidetracked by the incessant mocking. He doesn't get pulled away from his agenda to bicker or correct or fight or defend himself. He goes to God to talk about it, and then he keeps working. He doesn't stress about it. He doesn't stuff it all down and not deal with it or ignore it. He doesn't get anxious or worried about it. He tells God exactly how he feels about the situation. And he asks God to deal with it. And then he moves on with that responsibility now off from his plate. Now, I'm guessing you might be thinking, but isn't Nehemiah being really unchristlike in that prayer? And the short answer is, yeah. He's, he's far from saying, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do, like Jesus did on the cross, or Stephen with his dying words. But Nehemiah is entering into a tradition of expressing one's truthful, truthful opinions and attitudes with the God whom they trust they can be real with, and then leave God with the results. So, should we pray this way then? I I don't have time in this brief devotional to really hit on this. I'd encourage you to feel free to Google imprecatory prayer. That's the word for it, imprecatory. uh, and, And read through some of the articles that you come across. It might be interesting. Otherwise, I'll just say this. When people are marginalized and oppressed and their lives and possessions and loved ones are in a constant state of danger or threat, they naturally call out for justice. You can ask a God who always sides with the underdog to bring about a just result for all the people involved. If you want to tell God what you think that looks like and how to do it, then great. But put it in God's hands. Ultimately, leave it in God's hands and walk away and get back to work. One other word of warning. If you're the one in power, in a place of privilege, or in a place of prosperity— then this type of praying is not where you want to go. You'll find yourself on the receiving end of who God is going to deal with in that scenario. Back to the larger picture here. 
when you're making change, when you're pushing for change, when you're living into a kingdom picture of life, you'll face critics who will probably not stop at criticism in order to stop you. Nehemiah's example is to take your fears, your concerns, your hurt from the sting of criticism directly to your dad in heaven who sees all things and who sent you on the mission you're on. Leave them in his hands and get back to work. Soon, your critics will find themselves on the outside of the wall you're building and their criticism will be too muffled to even hear. Yeah, they'll begin plotting their next move at that point, but you know what? You'll be too busy celebrating and enjoying the momentum of the movement to even be bothered, rejoicing and seeing God be faithful to his promise. So keep your eyes and hands to the task while emptying out your fears and concerns to your dad. So how does that apply to you today? What are you facing? I'm going to just sign off and let you talk to your dad in heaven about which side of the wall you find yourself on.